This podcast is hosted by RPP. The following episode contains coarse language, violent themes, sexual references, and the really creepy stuff. If you're underage, turn off your device. Normal people, Esther, don't just go straight to demonic infestation like we do. Because the government was also freaked out about the movies. They might be dealing with a demonic possession. Meanwhile, as she's on top of him squeezing his throat, she's screaming, who sent him here? And they started to move towards her really fast. What are these? Australian aliens. Welcome back. Uh, so, yeah, we are, uh, what's it, season five, episode five? I, I have no idea. It just keeps going. And today uh, we have got a creepy story for you. Do you have a fact from the freezer? Facts from the freezer. Facts from the freezer. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, You go first. Okay. This one blew my mind. Okay, so check this out. Cats are one of the only animals on Earth that can't taste sweet flavours. Oh, no, that's sad. But that makes me so confused because, like, they love ice cream. And I know you're not supposed to give them ice cream and stuff like that, but you know, like, when you have, like, a bowl of ice cream and then, like, they lick your plate? Yeah. Well, what's that about? maybe the dairy yeah maybe it's just like i mean look there's people like that as well like they know that they're going to get a massively bloated stomach if they have like a milkshake but they're like oh i'll just deal with it later maybe cats are the same oh i wonder why they can't taste sweet things it's weird isn't it i think it's just those um sweet receptors like on your tongue they're just Mm. not very highly developed in cats that's what i read anyway there was a study done on it can you imagine cats if they could have sweet things? Yeah, they'd probably be pretty annoying. I mean, my cat Chandler's annoying enough just for food in general. Chandler? Did you say Chandler? Yeah, I have a cat called Chandler. I didn't know you had a cat called Chandler. You didn't know that? He's no, my tabby. That's his name's Chandler. That's he's um he's a foster fail from last lockdown. Oh, baby. <laughs> He was with us for eight months, and then after eight months, I finally said to the rescue, um, "Yeah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna adopt him." <laughs> We've got his mum as well. Oh, that's so good. He's hilarious. He's like the snuggliest freaking. He just loves being snuggly. Oh my god! Like he'll crawl under blankets and he'll yeah. sleep in my dog's bed, and he's just hilarious. Cats are honestly the only. Just the reason I am still on the planet. I just think, like, because also I've never had a boy cat. A boy cat's just. Oh, they're just angels. Hilarious and snuggly. Just such sooky babies. Like, boy cats are the most affectionate. And I feel like he's always got to be laying. Like, if he'll run from room to room and then all of a sudden he'll just lay down. He's like, oh, I need to be be chilling. Boy cats, I like, I love queens but they're just I don't know they're just they're mama mama's boys totally they just love women yeah they love their mums yeah, yeah like I'll be up best. in bed and like he'll just come and like stretch out on my stomach and the sweetest little angels 
Um, my fact. The tongue is the only muscle in one's body that is attached from one end. What? What? What does that mean? To Oh, I get it. Attached from is the only all muscles are attached at either end? Yeah, exactly. It's the only one that's like it's mm, there's I don't think there's a muscle in that. It's not limbs. It's not limbs. No. It's no, I guess penises don't move around like muscles, do they? Thank God. You can't, you can't like. Imagine like tapping you on the shoulder on the tram or something. Oh my <gasps> god! Oh my god! <laughs> Yuck! Yeah, it's just a sack. It's just they'd just be waving thing. at each other all the time. That'd be Literally like dog, in the street, dog dudes tails. Be waving at each other. Oh, they'd be wagging like little dogs' tails. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. They would. Yeah. <sighs> that is the creepiest Horrid. thing ever. Horrid. Yeah. Well, I guess the tongue is. Yeah. Now I'm going to be all night. I'm going to be trying to prove that fact wrong, which is stupid. Because it's a fact, but I'm going to be like, hmm, what about this? And then I'll go, no. So I wonder if people had tails. That would be the second one, right? Yeah, but that's a bone and muscle. So does that count? It, no, the I tongue... think it's, it would still be attached at both ends, though, wouldn't it? It would be attached to the end of the tail and the start of the tail. Mm. Yeah, you're right. The plot thickens. <laughs> if we can find a listener with a muscle that isn't the tongue that can just – that is the, just attached via one side, send us an email. Fun news. Uh, mm. Chrissy from Busy Betty's and an Eerie Good Time wants to collab with us, so she's going to be on the show at some point in the next couple of weeks. Yahoo! So I don't know what kind of story I'm going to tell her. I mean, she's from Chicago, so maybe we should do something that's, like, really Aussie. I've got the best story coming up, by the way. Actually, I don't know if it's – I've got a lot, but this one's really cool, really cool. So I hope – I hope you like it. Cool. All right, let's get into this. I have got a spooky story for y'all, and I can't believe I've never done this one before. Uh, It's called the – well, I don't know. You might have heard this one. Mm. This is the story of the Sally House. Um, Is it the the haunted house that had, like, the animal cruelty in it? No, there's nothing like that in this one. Good. Uh, Then no. My sources were the um, the TV show Sightings, which I saw on YouTube, Wikipedia, Visit Atchison, Velvet Ropes, Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast, Scary Stories We Tell podcast, The Dark Paranormal podcast, Lowy Lane on YouTube, Sci-Fi.com, and the documentary The Sally House from 2009. Mm. Now, as with a lot of my stories... I read a lot of articles, I watch a lot of documentaries, and I try to pull out the ones that have editorialised on the facts. Okay. So it's one of those ones again where, and I, I it really frustrates me, where there's a lot of different kind of, it, or there's all the Chinese whispers going on. Yep. And, you know, one podcast will say this and one article will say that. And it's really hard to sort of find the truth. So I've done what I always do and I find which facts show up in the most places. And I've used those <laughs> as hoping that's, that they're true. That's awesome. That's such a great system. It Yeah. I mean, that's what I try to do. Anyway, so... 
This story takes place in a small town called Atchison, which is in Kansas. And it's famous as being the home of Amelia Earhart, you know, the, the pilot. Yep, yep. But the other reason that this town is famous is because it's the location of a really well-known haunted house called the Sally House. Mm. It's just a little white house. It's double story. It doesn't necessarily look haunted. It doesn't look scary. It's just a suburban house on a suburban street in a small town. Yep. But the history of this house is kind of blurry. I've read in various places a few different things, but the Atchison Globe says the house was built in 1867 and the first owner of the house was Michael Finney. And he lived there with his wife, Kate, and his children, James, Agnes, Richard, and Charles. Mm -hmm. So this guy, Michael Finney, he was a merchant and a wharf master. But later the family turned into generation after generation of doctors and surgeons. So several members of this family died in the house, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But the main point is that the house was lived in by members of this family called the Finneys for 80 years until 1947 when Michael's son Charles died and the house was finally sold out of the family. Okay. A lady named Ethel Anderson lived in the house for a really long time, from 1958 up to, I would say, probably around 1990. I couldn't find exactly. Um, But this house wasn't known until soon after this time as a haunted house. Like no one had ever brought up that that was the spooky house on the street or, Mm. you know, that anyone had seen ghosts there or like no one sort of ever knew that it was like a haunted house until the early 90s. Okay. But one thing that I did find in my research was that because this is a small town, people tend to be scared to talk about those types of things because they don't want to be ridiculed. Totally. I think that's probably it. And if it's a small little, like what you said, a small, tiny, tiny little uh, town, yeah, you do not want to be known as the crazy. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly what's sort of happened here. And I really think that it sort of took one person to sort of speaking out for other people to start raising their hands and sharing their stories. Yep. So in the early 90s, a guy named Les Smith buys the house and his first tenants to rent the place are a family called the Pickmans. So on New Year's Eve of 1992, a couple named Deborah and Tony Pickman move into the house. Mm -hmm. And they're expecting their first child and they've just got married. So they're looking for a place big enough for a family. Yep. Which is your usual sort of start to a haunted house story. Always. Always. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I bet. That's actually such a good point. I, I really can't think of one where it's just a uni student going and, you know, renting. It's. Yeah. Totally right. Exactly. It's always like you know, oh, we were looking for our dream house and it was such a good price and yep. we didn't know it was the, the beginning of our nightmare. <laughs> Literally. So they decorate the spare room as a nursery because they're expecting their baby. Yep. But 
Their dog, Sasha, had a problem with that room and apparently would stand in the doorway and growl. So Tony thinks it's maybe just the previous people that lived there had a dog and Sasha could just smell the dog. That's what he put it down to. Which is a fair enough, like... Yeah. It's a fair enough guess. Assessment. If you didn't know not to trust that shit. Like, that's something my dad would definitely say, oh, that's just, you you're going to smell another dog. And I was like, no, all of us are going, no, my God, it's a demon. I mean, look, if it was my dog... My dog would sniff around the room and then pee in the room. Mm. That's <laughs> that's just what he would do. He wouldn't growl. He would just be like, "My oh, it's territory, now, bitches." My house, <laughs> that's my real house. estate. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. So soon after, their baby son Taylor arrives, and stuff just sort of kicks off from there. It's about a month after they've moved into the house, mm. um, which often happens with hauntings, just like little things start and then it just escalates and more and more weird stuff starts to happen. Like with, do you remember the Jackie Hernandez case that we did with the woman that moved into the house in California and she was pregnant and remember oh, she invited yeah. the investigators in and they went up to the attic and one of the investigators had a rope put around his neck. Yeah. That was a yeah. very similar one where she was just having babies and Well, they say what a new a new bait, a new little bub usually is a calling card for bad shit. Like bad spirits. Well, yeah, I mean like when girls start having their period normal. and Yes. Yeah, it's like a A lot of times with hauntings there's little kids involved. Always, yeah. So some sources will have you believe that the hauntings in this house were mostly happening to Tony Pickman and that Deb Pickman didn't really see anything. Um, But after all the reading and the documentaries that I've watched, I don't actually believe this. I've got a feeling that, you know, some sources are kind of maybe embellishing to make the story sound better that, you know, uh, that it was that whole, like, you got to believe me, I saw this thing or this thing happened to me. And she's like, yeah, right, whatever. Mm. I think that it was equally happening to both of them. Okay. And I've seen interviews with them as well, so I'm not with sure. both of them? Oh, sure, yeah. And what is the woman doing? Oh, she's she's had just as many experiences as he has. But, like, there's some podcasts and YouTube channels and things that are like, oh, all the haunting was focused on Tony and nothing ever happened to her. But I don't actually think that was the case. And this is the thing about research. I think it does um, pay to look at a few different sources mm. and sort of see where the, the, the discrepancies are. Yep, totally. So Deborah said that while they were living in the house, the vacuum cleaner would turn off when they were using it. And also the stereo would turn back on after it was turned off. And the same thing would happen Mm. to the TV. So, like, you turn it off, you walk away, it turns back on again. Yep. Also, she said that the pictures would be turned upside down and Taylor's toys, like, would play music on their own, like, you know, ones that you would normally press a button to play music. The pictures would freak me out. Yeah. That would be crazy. I think that's when I would start getting properly scared like you can kind of pass off technology turning off and toys making sounds like the furbies and all that but Mm. 
Yeah, that's a physical thing that needs hands and opposable thumbs. But aren't, like, wire hangers – oh, I guess if they're nailed in. I'm thinking of, like, wire hangers. You have to completely, like, reverse it to have it hanging upside down. And she didn't specify whether they were wall pictures or they were, like, Mm. you know, ones, like, in a – On a stand-up frame. Okay, so another thing – uh, that would happen was that when Deborah and Tony took any pictures in the house, there would be blurry shadows in the photos. And I'm guessing since they've got a newborn child, they're going to be taking a lot of photos. Oh, this is this is sounding cool. Yeah. Is, are there any photos of the photos on the internet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one. And, like, they're just big. I'm going to look them up. Like, blurry grey and black kind of areas in the room. It's really weird and they're not necessarily even, like, human-shaped. They're just all sorts of different shapes. Ooh, fun. And Deborah said that she would also, like, when she was doing the laundry in the basement, she would feel rushes of cold air go past her as if someone was running by. Um, And another thing that would happen was that old thing where people could smell, like, rotten Mm. smells in the house as well. I'm looking at the photo of the house. It's absolutely stunning. It's a cute house. I think it's so beautiful. Super, super gorgeous. But it looks scary. You reckon it looks scary? I reckon it could look scary. I think that is a bad vibe, that house. I think it's absolutely gorgeous, but it is a bad fucking vibe. It almost, the front almost looks like a church. And then the back is. The sides are very amitable. Yes. And it, it just has a bad vibe, but it's so gorgeous. So the lady that lived, and it, this isn't really important, but the Finneys who who built that house, they at some point they also bought the house next door as well. Right. Um, and weird stuff actually happened in the next house too. I wonder, hmm, that's really weird Mm. um there was actually a story that i read where someone associated with the finneys i think it was one of their wives she actually ended up in a mental institution because she had attempted a murder suicide involving herself and her son and she actually killed her son and she ended up being institutionalized for uh for some time jesus Um, but Maybe that house will get a whole podcast of its own sometime. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know if it's something to do with the land that it's all on. Who knows? Mm, good point. Um, another thing that happened with, was uh, with Deborah and Tony was the lady who lived next door mentioned one day that the light was always on at night in their nursery room. Oof. And they actually didn't know that because when they would leave the room, uh, they would turn off the light and then after they left, the light would turn back on. Oh, and that baby would be sleeping all night in the bright light like that. I know. I wonder how long that one went on for. I mean. Well, apparently the baby would be kept up all night by whatever spirits were in the room anyway. Wow. So, um, yeah, I don't think they were having a great time by this time. So this takes us to, like, the famous thing that happened in the house. And it's something that they call uh, in one of the interviews that I saw with them, they call it the night of the bears. 
So Deb's sister, Karen, had been staying with them to help with the baby. Mm. And they had all gone out for the day on this one day because she was going to leave the next day. And they came back with some rented movies and they were going to have a movie night. Mm -hmm. Um, So Tony goes upstairs to take, like, the baby travel bag back upstairs. Mm -hmm. And he goes into the nursery and he opens the door and he finds a whole bunch of teddy bears and soft toys sat in a circle on the floor and they've all got their backs to each other. Oh, God, it's giving me goosebumps. He thinks it's pretty weird. And he goes back to the kitchen and he says to Deb, why did you do that to the bears? And she doesn't know what he means. And she Mm. says, what are you talking about? So the three of them go up to the nursery and they see the bears and Deb says, I didn't do that. So they put the toys back up where they're supposed to go, like in the crib and on the shelves. Mm. And they turn the light off and they all head back downstairs. Mm. And they get halfway down the stairs and the light in the nursery room turns back on behind them. Mm-hmm. And they all look at each other and they're all on the stairs. So it was not any of them. Um, so they go back up the stairs and they look in the room and there's one bear sitting on the floor. <sighs> I love it. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> So the following day, Tony's brother comes over Mm. and Tony is telling him all about what happened with the bears and his brother was kind of like laughing about it. And there was actually a bear next to the TV in the living room where they were. Mm. So his brother says, well, why don't we take some pictures of this bear and see if anything weird happens? Yeah. So he takes a picture of the bear and then he tries again and as he's holding up the camera for the second time, he says, all right, do something. And as he clicks the button down on the camera to take the photo, the bear spins around and the photo comes up and everything's like in focus except for where the bear is and it's just a blur. Damn, I love it. (laughs) And Tony's brother decides he's never coming back to the house. (laughs) So he leaves and he never, ever comes back. So anyway, Deb and Tony decide to spend the night at his parents' house that night because they're just Mm. like, you know what, this weekend's just been too weird. Mm. And as they're packing to leave, Tony is buckling the baby up in the car seat Mm -hmm. and he feels like a stinging feeling on his back. And later it's still stinging when he gets to his parents' place and Deb lifts up Tony's shirt And he's got three scratches going down his back. And they're like thin, like cat scratches. Wow. Um, And Tony's mother mother didn't believe all this stuff that was happening in the house, even though like her two sons had seen it, Mm. his daughter-in-law and her sister had seen it. But one night when she was over at their house, a lamp was hurled across the room at her. At her own house. No, at their house. This is later. Okay. A lamp was hurled across the room directly at her. And did she see it? (laughs) By an unseen force. Did she see the lamp get thrown to her? Uh, I would presume so. A lamp is coming at your head. You're going to mostly see that. Well, did she believe it after that? Well, no one said. I'm going to – I would be really annoyed if she didn't. That's a key – that's evidence. Yeah. If she didn't see it, my God, 
I'd be pissed. As the ghost, I'd be like, this bitch. I would hope that it threw it, like, at her face. Well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe at the back of her head because then she would be like, you boys. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's what I'm – the angle is important. The angle is if important. if it was just thrown in her direction, but – I know. That's, that's just, like, and that's they, a wasted opportunity. Right? <laughs> that's a key a key clue and they've left it out. She, I hope she saw it. So – There's clearly something happening in this house that's centred around the nursery, the toys, or at least it's something to do with children. Creepiest. Creepiest. A creepiest room in the house to be haunted would be the nursery, like. You know, and, you know, you get get things like that centred around the nursery room with a lot of your movies, like, um, oh, I always get it mixed up with The Conjuring, Um, Insidious. Yeah, totally. You know, they're big on the, um, you know, the little toy train kind of just going by itself through the room and stuff. Yeah, the, the, the beginnings of the haunting start in the nursery. Because there you know, is you hear no it one the baby that's not freaked thing. out yeah. by a toy starting normal. Yeah, totally. People love that stuff. Love it. It's because it's babies are scary as hell. I know. <laughs> There's so much fear and stress around infants. I wish well, that they had one of those video baby monitors at the time. Oh, I They could wish. have bought so much stuff. I wish. But you can never believe that shit. I never trust, like, our in-home video footage. It just doesn't, I don't know, it's so easy to fake something and be like, you I know what you kid. mean. But, yeah, there are some even fake videos out there that are creepy as hell. Oh, there's some great ones. Like there's one on TikTok of the skinwalkers circulating and that one's awesome. And oh, yeah? But it would be so easy to do, but it's the originals you find that like aren't a trend yet and then you're like, oh, that's fucking, that's creepy. But yeah. then everyone starts doing them. Like now, yeah. now if you type up skinwalker on TikTok, every video is – Oh, walking down a paddock and you hear someone yelling and straight away everyone's like, oh, my God, it's a skinwalker. So easy to fake. Mm. So it turns out that with this house there's a local legend that says back in either 1905 or 1906 when Dr. Charles Finney lived at the house, Mm -hmm. late one night a frantic knock on the door came. And it was a lady that it was apparently the next door neighbor. And I should say that this this is not substantiated by fact. Mm-hmm. This is just a local legend. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is generally the story that people accept as to why the house is haunted. Oh, okay. So the lady who, in some stories, is called Mary. Mm-hmm is banging on the door and she begs the doctor to help her six-year-old daughter who is having terrible stomach pains. The doctor brings her in and he believes she is suffering from appendicitis and there's no time to get her to a hospital. Mm. He decides to operate right there in his house. Just as Chris is eating dinner. Just as Chris is eating her. She's putting sushi in her mouth or something. Down. <laughs> Oh, oh she's runny egg. Egg noodle salad. Runny egg, just as we're talking about a home operation. Sorry, but what did you expect? I have no sympathy for you. 
<laughs> so the doctor brings her in. He begins to administer something to knock her out. When A he brick. goes in to perform the surgery, it turns out the girl is not completely sedated and she wakes up and she ends up dying of shock and blood loss. Fuck. Have Bad I way to go. Have I told you I woke up during a colonoscopy and an endoscopy? Have I told you that? Do they put you to sleep for those? Ah, uh, girl, you're getting a tube put up your asshole and down your throat. Some people do time. that for fun. <laughs> Not that deep. <laughs> mm, yeah, but I woke up. I sat straight up, look, mm. looked at my bowels that were on the on a TV screen. And all I screamed the word fuck and then they put me back to sleep. The nurse had administered administered the um the anesthetic incorrectly and I woke oh, up no. during the procedure. It's scary as hell because you're on a, like a, a hospital bed pretty much. That is that is actually quite that's a, a kind of a nightmare. Yeah, so her wake the this little kid waking up would have been a bit worse than mine. Yeah, so it, it turns out that uh, they think that this particular spirit of the little girl is really angry towards men. That's an interesting view. But there's also a story that seems to be mentioned in some places. It's a rumour that the doctor was having an affair with an African-American lady and that the child was actually his. And because he wanted to keep the affair a secret, he didn't want to take her to a hospital and that's why he attempted the surgery at home. But generally people don't think that that story has a lot of viability. That one sounds more believable. Why would a kid who just died of appendicitis be like, the doctor was a man, I'm going to hate men? I mean, she's little, she's tiny, you know. She's just like maybe this is what men do to all people. I don't know. She was just scared of men. But I don't know which is truth. It would explain why there is no history of a Sally uh, because maybe she was illegitimate and she was never sort of declared. Maybe she didn't have a birth certificate. We don't have those answers. But it is kind of a theory that people have. Mm. So going back to the 90s, in June 1993, the Pickmans tell their friend Margaret Connor, who is a psychic, about the situation. And she's the one who said there's a spirit in the house and it's a girl named Sally. Did she say that before they told her the story? Um, or did, she, did they just tell her and then she's like... Now, this is a problem that I have had in my research is the timeline of when they found out the local legend and when the psychic came in and said there's someone here called Sally. I couldn't find that information, unfortunately. Now, through Margaret, this psychic, and her connections that she has in California, TV shows like Unsolved Mysteries start to get interested in the house. Mm. Um, and also, I believe it's been on um, Ghost Adventures. Of course. And I think it's been on a few other uh, – it was on Paranormal Witness as well. Mm. So all the kind of the big ones have been there. But it was a show called Sightings that was the show that really made the house famous. So 
At some point also while living there, Tony says that he sees Sally as a full-bodied apparition as he's getting a glass of orange juice. And he says that she was no further away than three feet and he later sketched her. Mm. So if you look up the Sally House sketch or something like that, you'll see the picture that he drew. You might want to put up sort of Tony Pickman sketch, Sally House, something like that, and you'll see the picture that he drew of her. Um, so after all this comes out, the TV crews start coming to the house. He's a good drawer. Yeah, apparently he was an artist. Right. Um, and because of all this TV exposure that it's getting, um, the paranormal world starts to get really interested in this house. Yeah. So what is the show Sightings? So, Chris, do you remember Sightings from the 90s? You don't. It was a little bit obscure. Um, it was this great late night TV show that was on, um, I think from memory, it used to be on after the X-Files. Hmm. It used to freak the hell out of me. It was a great show. So it ran from 1991 to 1998 and it included 114 episodes and it was hosted by Tim White, who was actually a serious like news presenter up yeah. in Washington, D.C., and the show was presented like a news show. Oh, like the Simpsons. Funny parts about it. Like the Simpsons, right? Mm, you know how the Simpsons have. Are you? Do you watch the Simpsons or did you? Mm-hmm. You know when they have like their horror nights and like Troy McClure would host it. Would yeah, it be like it was, that? Yeah, or or kind of like old episodes of um, Unsolved Mysteries, you right. know, with Robert Stack. Yeah, cool. Um, but the thing about sightings is that it would actually have, like, people in the background, like it was an office, and it would have, like, people, oh, like, I love it. like Chris and on headsets and stuff Yeah, because they wanted to sort of show that people were, like, constantly phoning up with their paranormal news. Oh, my God, I love I God, I would love to have been one of those extras. It's so cute. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Um, so it, it, sightings actually started as an hour-long special. Um, they did one special about UFOs and then they did one about ghosts and they did a couple more specials and it was so popular that they actually made it a weekly show. Crazy. So sightings goes into the house, the Sally house, to do like a segment about what was going on there. Mm-hmm. And because the story was so popular people started calling them about their own paranormal experiences and it people just loved it so they ended up going back to the house on numerous occasions over the next few years and they actually did eight episodes um updating people about the Sally house from 1994 to 1997 yep and they in the early episodes they call it the heartland ghost mm-hmm. so The Pikmins at the time, they didn't want any attention from the media. So in the first couple of sightings episodes, they're kept anonymous. So Tony's face is blurred and they're given the names Pamela, Jeff and baby Donnie. Yep. But Deborah Pikmin's face was never actually blurred out though, just Tony's. And I think that's because he was the one that the physical scratching attacks were happening to. They weren't happening to her. And he didn't want to be ridiculed by saying, like, a ghost of a little girl is, like... He's scratching the man of the house. Me. Yeah. Yeah. 
he later says it's because it's a very religious town and okay. they didn't know how it would be received. Mm-hmm. But it turned out that although some people would taunt them, most people were actually pretty supportive about it. Interesting. Deb actually later wrote a book about the case and it's called The Sally House Haunting a True Story, which I haven't read, unfortunately. I looked for it, but um, I haven't read it. But one interesting thing that happens is that uh, sighting sends in a psychic called Peter James. Mm-hmm. And the show says... Peter has never been to the house and he has not been briefed about what happened at the house. So they just send him in like cold. And as they're standing outside the house, he looks up at the top window that looks kind of like an attic window. Yeah. You know, like I Yeah, I think I've seen the photo of this. It's the window right at the front above the door, at right? At the front of the house, yeah, and it's kind of like just underneath the roof. Yeah. And he says he could see the face of a little girl up there. I love it. And later when he goes into the house, he says the little girl is standing at the top of the stairs and he says hello to her and he calls the camera sort of person over and he's like, look up there, look up there. And then he says, can you speak to me? Sally, is that your name? Sally. And he also said there's probably more spirits in the house and that he felt that there were at least three people who had died in the house, which is actually true. So the deaths in the house were kind of difficult to research because every article and every podcast Mm. had a different list of deaths that happened in the house. But these are the ones that I found in most articles. Yeah. So these are the ones I come up with. So in 1872, Michael Finney died there, who was the guy that built the house. Yep. And then two years later, his wife Kate's father, so his father-in-law, Charles, died in the house. Do we know how they're dying? Uh, the first two I don't know. Um, oh, the first three I don't know. Mm. So in 1900, one of the sons, James, dies in the house. And in May 1918... Michael's daughter Agnes's husband William died after a stroke. Okay. And then just one month later, uh, Michael's wife Agnes's mother Kate dies from complications with gangrene, which Ooh. doesn't happen. And then the daughter Agnes dies there in 1937 after being sick for some years. Okay. So. It's actually unclear how many deaths have really happened there Mm. and when they happened, but everybody agrees that there have been deaths in the house, which, to be honest, though... It's not a surprise for a house that old, right? Exactly. Like, back in, like, the the, the The late 19th century, the early 20th century, people died and gave birth in their house. Yeah, completely. Unless it was, like, an accident. A lot of people would die at home. Yeah, So sightings goes in and they conduct a full technical investigation with their massive cameras, like very Mm. 90s, like walls of machinery and stuff like that. Yeah. And also thermal imaging equipment to find cold spots. The best. That may indicate spirit activity. And another person that's there is a guy called Kerry Gaynor. And he's a paranormal investigator who says that he's investigated about 850 cases since the early 70s. So Tony says, 
Tony Pinkman, see, he actually says he's got a lot of respect for Kerry. Um, and Kerry stayed in the house for about 12 hours with the family while um, they did like a vigil with all the equipment set up, set up so that they could yep. monitor things through the night. They had Tony sit in a rocking chair with his shirt off for hours because the scratches would appear on his, like, arms and his torso. So they just said, we'll mm. just sit there for ages. We'll just make you the bait. <laughs> yeah, and be attacked. Now, Kerry Gaynor said that he witnessed 11 times that night where Tony was attacked by an entity and scratches appeared on his skin right in front of everyone. And they were also on camera. And in the documentary, The Sally House, Deb says they have about nine minutes of uncut focused in on his torso where the scratch was forming and they said sightings and some of the people that reviewed that footage for authenticity said that it was some of the most remarkable footage they'd ever seen because it was uncut for that entire nine minutes. And is there footage of Oh, yeah, you can see it online. You might have to dig a little bit because, like, it's in documentaries, so, like, you have to kind of watch the whole thing. So on the same investigation, Tony asks Sally to let them know she is there at the house and on camera, Mm -hmm. and a sound is caught that sounds like a cross between um, a growl and a rolling hum. It was a weird sound. Mm. They took it to sound production experts who said that the sound was too low frequency for humans to make. Wow. Have you heard the sound? I mean, I I thought it was like kind of a growl, kind of a hum. It was a little bit like, I don't know. It was weird. It was a weird, weird sound. And also an EVP analyst called Sarah Estep, Estep, also examined the tape and she said it sounds like like an energy sound, which I would agree with. Mm. The family called in someone to clear the home. Now, in one source it said it was a First Nations shaman and another one it said it was an exorcism. So I don't know if it was like a First Nations shamanist ritual or if it was yeah. a Christian exorcism, but they had some sort of clearing ritual. Mm. And the following year, sightings went back to find that the hauntings had continued and Tony was still being cut and scratched. Even while the crew was there, he had scratches form on his stomach as they filmed it. And also while they were there, Deborah showed them a red rose she had in like a little vase in the kitchen Mm. on the windowsill above the sink. And she said, I just noticed this. The rose was completely burned like someone had held like a lighter up to it, but half of the rose was burnt to ash and then half of it was still like a fully fresh rose. Spontaneous combustion. I don't, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And it was not the first time that fire had been associated with the house. One of Taylor's toys had once mysteriously combusted on its own during a birthday party. So there has been discussion of whether Tony was actually possessed or um, on the way to becoming possessed. So Mm -hmm. one night Deborah saw Tony sitting on the sofa and now I only saw this in one, uh, I, I think it was on one of the interviews or documentaries, 
So I don't know mm. if this is true because if I don't see it in two places, I don't really believe it. But apparently Tony's sitting on the sofa and he turns to her and he said, he's mine. Like something was inside of him saying, I'm taking him over. Jesus. So the point where the family decided to move out for good was one morning Tony was watching Deb get ready for work and he started to have thoughts about stabbing her. Mm. So they moved out the following week after living there for 22 months. So just want to mention some other people's experiences real quick, how I mentioned about other people sort of coming forward once this. Yeah. So a woman named Kelly Elias sees one of the episodes of Sightings and she recognises the house as her grandmother's house where she actually lived Mm. for some time. She lived in the house along with her two brothers and that, She said something weird happened while she was there, um, and that also involved fire as well. She said while she lived there in the room where her brothers slept, which is now the baby's room, there Mm -hmm. was a small fire that started mysteriously under the window and there were no PowerPoints near or any way that a fire could have started. Mm. The sightings team also interviewed a woman who had lived in the house a few years earlier for about eight months. Again, reminding me of the Jackie Hernandez case, she lived there with her three children and her Mm. identity was kept anonymous. And what she said was that her daughter, during the time they lived there, had an imaginary friend called Sally. Weird. And she used to blame Sally for things that happened, like, around the house. Wow. And when she saw the drawing that Tony had done of the girl that he had seen, she said it was the same girl she used to see in the house. Weird. So after the eight sightings episode aired between 1994 and 1997, a TV movie was made based on the haunting called Sightings Heartland Ghost in 2002, which appears to be impossible to get. Mm. And in 2009, the Sally House documentary was released, which is on YouTube. Later investigations in the house resulted in numerous EVP recordings and weird things happening. People have done investigations in the basement and bricks have been thrown at them. People even say that their headlights turn off and their radios turn to static as they drive past the house. Oh, God, I want to go. (laughs) <laughs> so is it near is it on like a really um quiet road or it appears to be is it in the middle I don't of nowhere think anything about this town that's actually not quiet <laughs> it yeah. seems to be a really chilled kind of pace type of so it's town. it's not on a busy street it's not on like no, it's not in a residential so. area oh it's residential but it's very suburban like it's very there's just houses. Like, there's no, like, kind of... Does it have close neighbours? Yeah. Um, like, you know, like there'll be a strip of grass and then the next house. Okay, so it's not, it's not on a farm. It's not in the middle of down an old No, it's not that rural. No, it's not that rural. Okay. Like, it's, it's, a str- it's like a street of houses, like, you know, a few metres apart from each other. Um, according to the Atchison Globe... 
Longtime paranormal investigator Jerry Talbot mm. continues to wade through the depths of the unexplained and layers of audio frequencies to reveal the truth about Sally. He is the founder of Kansas Paranormal Group. He said that he and his daughter Jennifer have concentrated their efforts through a seven-year period of time. Their efforts have included about six visits a year to the house that include overnight visits electronic voice phenomenon recorded data, video filming, photographed images, and researched newspaper articles. Is anyone living there now? Um, no, but I'll get to that. Mm. Um, during one investigation, Jennifer Talbot was hit with a rusty nail tossed her way from an unidentified source. And levitating coins have been observed from outdoors through an upstairs window, which is random. Yeah. And the Pickmans actually used to go on some of these investigations. But the last time they were ever in the house was with a paranormal investigator called Renee Leica in the mid-2000s. Renee says that as they pulled up to the house for the investigation, she saw a large figure getting up out of a rocking chair like like Mm. it was waiting for them to arrive. Deb said that she should have followed her gut instinct at that point and turned back. When they went into the house, they found that the energy was very heavy. When they got up to the master bedroom, Tony began taking photos and as soon as he starts taking photos, he says that he doesn't feel very well. Deb turns around and he's lifted up and thrown backwards against the door. And he was actually thrown so hard. He said said it felt like he'd been hit by a truck and one of his boots actually flies off. And in the documentary that I saw, it was actually really funny because, like, they'd stuck, like, his boots to the ground mm. and sort of filmed his feet flying out of him. Yep. Um, I'm looking at a Google Maps view of the house right now. Yeah. It is I, – I know you've just told a whole story about how haunted it is, but, man, I get a creepy vibe. Okay. And it, and it is really close to Neighbours. Yeah, like I it's would, a very normal street. Normal, yeah, street. Tiny, mm. you can, yeah, tiny. But such a bad vibe. <laughs> so Tony is thrown against this door and when he it hits the ground, he can't get up off the ground. Mm. And he said he couldn't move. And Deb and Renee said that they could see his neck muscles straining because he was trying to get up, but something something was holding him down. And then Renee says, I demand you to release him in God's name. And then finally he's able to get up. Wow. So the hauntings continue to this day, and the house is now a tourist attraction managed by the town of Atchison, and anyone can visit. Wow. One interesting thing... um, that I read in the Atchison Globe was that Terry uh, Jerry Talbot said that during one visit there was a small guest book with a plastic pen for visitors to sign their names. Mm. Um, all appeared to be in good shape. At some point after Tony Pickman's arrival, the pen on the table changed in appearance 
It appeared to be blistered and melted somewhat and was noticeably bent as if it was tightly gripped inside a fist. So if this house interests interests anybody, the packages that you can choose from, not sponsored, are um, self-guided tours every Saturday uh, from September to October. Guided daytime tours are available year-round. Um, and there are also overnight stays. You can do a night there. And there are also supervised paranormal, paranormal investigations in the house as well. It's quite the tourist attraction, apparently. Would you stay overnight? Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. Not on my own. I would with other people. I reckon people. I would. Oh, yeah, I would with other people, yeah. Yeah, I'd stay for sure. It's got such a bad vibe. It's a, it's a good story. It's a great story. Wow, I'm looking at – I just can't stop looking at the photos. <laughs> I just uh, I just want to go to the house. I'm going to YouTube it one now. One day we'll totally do it. Yeah, we've got so many places to go. Yep. Anyway, guys, I'm going to Thanks head for off listening. Now. Thanks for listening. I don't have a story tonight, by the way. Those that's all right. Those We've, listening. We're we're at like almost an hour. I don't think yep. you know people want to listen to us for oh, too much time. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, until next time, guys. Uh, be creepy, but don't be a creep. Woo, bye. And I have to say, Debbie Pickman has the freaking best hair. Every photo that you will see of Debbie Pickman, and this is in the 90s, the 2000s, and I saw a picture of her in 2018. She has, like, epic metal hair in every single picture. Oh, the blonde? Yeah, she's got, like, bleach blonde hair. Oh, it's great. It's always, like perfectly like spiral permed huge freaking like she looks great it's wild her hair is incredible she's got she's like hair goals